You know what weekend this is? Pentecost. Pentecost. Okay? Pentecost. It's, it's the, I like to call it the forgotten Christian holiday. Amen? It sneaks up on us because we pay so much attention to Easter and then we just move into the summer and once Memorial Day comes, that's the end of it. Pentecost is the commemoration as, as, as it pertains to us as Christians. It's a commemoration, the remembering of when the Holy Spirit came upon the church to stay. Amen. To stay, okay? Now, in the Old Testament... Um, uh, it, it, can you switch that clock from real time to? Oh, I see it over here. Okay, that's that's my time. Well, you gave me way too much, but that's my time. Okay. All right. So follow with me, okay? This is probably just as important of a holiday as Christmas and Easter. Because Christmas and Easter exist so that Pentecost could take place. Okay? I'm going to go through different places here, and then I'll get to my notes, all right? I believe this holiday is something that we should be really, really, really serious about. Not celebrating, and, but really, like, remembering what happened on this day. Now, God is a God who fulfills promises, yes? Yes. Yes, yes or no? Yes. Okay. Now, God made promises to Abraham. You remember him, right? Okay. And if you're not careful, you'll fall into this trap of thinking that those promises are mostly material. Promises of wealth, promises of land, promises of power. You'll be, if you're not careful with that. Because, again, we go back to Genesis, and we talk about how God was going to bless him so he could be a blessing for the nations, Genesis chapter 12. And we see all throughout Genesis as it pertains to Abraham. It's a lot about attaining things, gaining wealth, gaining influence, all these. But there's a promise that God made to Abraham that in the book of Galatians tells us that is directly tied to the Holy Spirit. The real promise, the, I don't want to say real as opposed to the phony promise, but the the truest significance of the promise that God made to Abraham was pretty much to restore back what Adam had lost with a looking forward to the future of the Messiah that would come. Okay, are you following me here? Yes. All right, I'm going to try to go for this and finish this in time. All right? If you go, and you, some of you have heard me teach this before. If you go to Genesis chapter 14, right? You don't have to go there right now. But if you go to Genesis chapter 14, God bless, God bless you. Okay? There's a battle that takes place, and Abraham wins this battle. He comes back with all the spoils, all the wealth of that which was captured. On the way back, he passes by a place called Salem, which eventually would be called Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Salem, okay? And there's a man there that he meets who's called Melchizedek. And Abraham honors him. And this is when we hear the mention of the tithe as it pertains to Abraham, okay? Abraham pays him a tithe of everything that he just won in battle, and Melchizedek blesses him 
with bread and with wine. Does that sound familiar? Bread and wine? Okay. The very next chapter, chapter 15 says, and after these things, what things? Chapter 14. God says to Abraham, I'm going to paraphrase it from here. God says to Abraham, you work for me now. Why? Because Abraham just passed a test. Bless you. Abraham, in chapter 14, passed a test. Okay? So that qualifies him for an upgrade. So now God says to him in chapter 15, you work for me now. In fact, the original language says it this way. I am your paymaster from this point forward. I am your recompense. In other words, you're on my payroll from now on, Abraham. You, You getting this? Okay? And so what happens? Abraham says, or Abram says to him, Lord, how will I know? Now, don't try to get away with that now. He got away with that then. Don't try to get away with that now. Because you've got, and I've got something in in me that Abraham didn't have. Okay, so he says to God, how do I know this is going to happen? How do I know that what you're telling me is true? How do I know I'm going to have a child? How do I know that I'm going to be such a blessing? And it tells us that it begins a covenant ceremony. And by the way, if you're, not, if you're not familiar with the term covenant, you're not familiar with the principle of covenant, you really haven't read the Bible yet. Until you study covenant, you haven't read the Bible yet, because the Bible is a covenant. A very strong one, okay? So now there's this ritual that takes place. There's animals that are slaughtered and sacrificed. And God gives Abraham a glimpse of the future, and that's why it's said of Abraham, and he believed God and it was accredited to him as righteousness. Their animals are slaughtered. Many of, you, many of you know where I'm going with this because you've heard me teach this and you study yourself. There's animals that are split in half, so there's blood and guts all over the place. And Abraham is not allowed to participate. He's in a trance off to the side. He sees and hears everything that's going on, but he cannot participate. I'll explain that to you later. Okay? And... Abraham sees a burning furnace or like an oven with flames just engulfed in it. And he sees a torch on fire. And these two figures, the burning furnace and the flaming torch, walk a figure eight in between these animals that are slaughtered. This is a covenant ceremony. And... When you're, when you're cutting a covenant with an individual, you point to these animals that are slaughtered and you say, this is what should happen to me if I break this covenant. Amen. This is serious stuff. Now, watch this now. Abraham's on the side watching everything. Hebrews tells us that our God is a consuming fire. He's this burning furnace. And that's who that's represented. That burning fur- furnace is representing God Almighty. Who's the torch? I am the way, the truth, and the light. Nobody, the life, nobody comes to the Father except through me. I am the light of the world. Amen. Are you catching this? Yes. So Abraham's watching this. And he, he now receives revelation. Oh, This flaming torch is the one to come in the future, the future Messiah, the one who's going to bring light where there's darkness, the one who's going to bring restoration 
where there's been loss, and he understands this, and he's brought down to a whole different level of relationship with God the Father. And God reveals to him the restoration process. Blood has got to be spilled. Something's got to die in order for this restoration to take place. Are you, are you getting this? Yes. You're understanding, okay? Now, Abraham's on the side. Who's conducting this ceremony? God the Father. And God the Son. At the cross, nobody could participate. On the cross, God the Son is being sacrificed. Man can only watch. You and I do not come into relationship with God Almighty because of our good works, because of our deeds. And that's why God takes Abraham and puts him off to the side. No, Abraham, you can watch. You can watch, but you can't get involved. At the cross, they could watch, but they couldn't get involved. All of it is leading up to this day that we're celebrating and memorializing this weekend where the Spirit of God could once again dwell in mankind, not just fall on mankind. Amen. Big difference. Are you, are, you, are you understanding this? Okay? Now, everybody, anybody can get born again, but not anybody can go and receive from Pentecost. Let me rephrase it because some of you are going to go out here and say, say something different because I didn't communicate that clearly. Anyone in the world can get born again, but you have to be born again first to receive the experience on Pentecost. Amen. You listening? Yes. Why? Because blood has got to be shed first in order for the Holy Spirit to come on the scene. So we have the cross first, and then we have Pentecost. This tomorrow will mark 50 days since Passover. Penta cost. Penta. Erica? Penta is what? 50. Okay, 50, right? Okay, so it's the 50th day since Passover. You understand this? This was already a Jewish holiday and still is a Jewish holiday. The Jewish community this weekend, starting at sunset tonight, will begin to celebrate Shavuot. That's what's called in Hebrew. In the New Testament, because it was written in Greek, it's called, come on, Erica, help me out. Panta, cost, the 50th day, okay? You listening? This is significant. Passover opens the way and opens the path for Pentecost. You can't have a Pentecost if you don't have a Passover. Amen. You can't experience the Holy Ghost and the fullness of who he is until the blood of Jesus has been shed. Amen. When you and I got born again, it was symbolically we came under the blood of Jesus. Yes or no? Yes, yes or no? Yes. So now we're qualified. We can go now to Pentecost and receive what we're supposed to receive on Pentecost. You getting this? Yes, sir. Now, Calvary required a submitted will, and that's Jesus. You remember Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember what he said? 
Not my will, Father, but your will be done. Yes or no? Yes. But Pentecost requires an obedient church. I'm saying that for a reason. Because I would venture to say that a good majority of the body of Christ, of the church in general, may be born again, but they haven't been to Pentecost yet. And some of you are saying, I, I, I didn't even know there was a Pentecost and didn't even know that it's supposed to affect my life. Yeah. Pentecost is the reason why Jesus said to his disciples, and I'm getting ahead of myself here, the night that they got born again was first Easter Sunday, right? Yes. Jesus did what? Breathe on them. Breathe on them. And they received the Holy Spirit. What happened? They got born again. They put their faith in Christ. They received the Holy Spirit inside, inward. Okay? The Holy Ghost came to live inside them. But then he said something to them. 40 days later, before he ascends into heaven, he says to them, don't, I'll paraphrase, don't even go out of the house until you receive the promise of my father. For then you will receive power when the Holy Ghost, what? Comes upon you. And then you'll be equipped for the ministry. You getting this? Unfortunately, the majority of the body of Christ has shied away from this, I'm going to call it what it is, this Pentecostal experience because it's always been presented to them as spooky, super spiritual, not really for everybody. It's for the fanatics. It's for the ones who roll around in church. No, no, wrong. Turn to somebody and go, eh, wrong. What I want to, what my message is this weekend is this. I want to show you the practical side of Pentecost. You listening to me? I know you're very excited. I can tell from the way you're responding here tonight. But I'm going to keep going. Jesus said to the disciples, but you shall receive power, ability, efficiency, and might when the Holy Spirit has come up on you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, the very bounds of the earth. I'm reading to you from the Amplified Classic Version. So now 10 days later, Jesus ascends into heaven, excuse me, 40 days after Pentecost, after Passover, Jesus ascends into heaven, and he says to them to wait. I told you this. 10 days after he ascends into heaven is the day of Pentecost. Because 40 and 10 equal what? 50. 50. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they, the disciples, the apostles, how many would there be? Come on, guys, say it loud. 120. You know who else was in there? You know who's in that 120? Mary. Mary. I love that part. She's one of them. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they, the 120, including Mary, all assembled together in one place, when suddenly, now this is like 9 o'clock in the morning on that day, when suddenly there came a sound from heaven like the rushing of a violent tempest blast, and it filled the whole house in which they were sitting, and there appeared to them tongues resembling fire, which were separated and distributed, which settled on each one of them, and they were all filled. How many of them were filled? All. 
and they were all filled, diffused throughout their souls. And I, and I don't think that's a good translation from the Amplified. It really should be in their spirit. Diffused throughout their spirit with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other different foreign languages or tongues as the Spirit kept giving them clear and loud expression. I, this part, I like the way they translate it. As the Spirit kept giving them clear and loud expressions. Some of you were raised in a Pentecostal denomination that told you you receive it once, you have that experience, but you might, you might not ever experience it again the rest of your life, which is not true. Because Paul, later on, when he writes to the church at Corinth, Decades later, it says to them, I thank God that I pray in tongues more than you all. Amen. You listening to me? Yes. I hope you are. Amen. Listen. Not a one-time experience. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is what this is talking about, is received once, but it extends the rest of our lives and brings us into eternity. Amen. That is the equipment that Jesus said the church needs in order to accomplish what he's called them to do. Now, watch this now. Jesus becomes real to us by the Holy Spirit in us. How many of you have seen Jesus face to face? Let me see. Face to face. God bless you. God bless you. You're very, very, very blessed. But for the rest of us, we've got to go by faith. Now, we hear his voice very, very clear. And most people want to, pay, want to, want to be in Jesus' face constantly. But yet he turned the baton over to the Holy Spirit and made it very clear. And so as I said before, the Holy Spirit is very practical. Amen. I want you to understand that, okay? Because too many Christians shy away from this experience. I don't know about you, but when I first got born again, okay, I got born again in April... I got baptized in the Holy Spirit in August of that year. I wanted everything. Number one, I wanted everything that Jesus died for. I wanted everything that God had promised. Okay? I would hope that you'd want the same thing. So, the activity of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer is the most necessary thing in our everyday life here on planet Earth. Okay? Practical. Practical. Let me give you some definitions of practical. Functional, down-to-earth, viable, realistic. Can I just stop and pray for a moment? Sure. Would you mind if I do that? No. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come against all resistance. I come against all, every wall that tries to go up to stop people from hearing this. I rebuke the enemy in the name of Jesus. Devil, I command you in Jesus' name. Take all your influence and all of your atmosphere and go. Just go. All of your heaviness, go. In the name of Jesus, Father, I thank you for clarity. I thank you, Lord, that you're not the author of confusion. Father God, but thank you for the peace that comes into this place right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Say, that, say this with me. I receive that. I receive that. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me quote Rick Renner on this subject here. You know, Rick Renner's an amazing, amazing Bible, Bible scholar. This is what he had to say about this practicality of the Holy Spirit. If anyone ever understood the ministry of the Holy Spirit, it was the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Jesus' earthly ministry was completely dependent upon the Holy Spirit. From his birth, nothing that happened to him and nothing he did was apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. Moreover, when he sat down at the Father's right hand in heaven, the first thing he did was to send the Holy Spirit upon the church on the day of Pentecost. Now, can I just say this to you? And and please, uh, don't just receive this as a cliche-ish thing. Listen to me, church. If Jesus Christ, the Son of God, needed to depend on the Holy Spirit in his everyday life, how are we going to make it here if we don't, at minimum, do the same thing that he did? Yes or no? But what happens? What happens? We see Christians just going through life like I've, like I've described it before, like playing bumper cars, hitting this thing, bumping into this thing, bumping into that thing, pressing ahead, never asking the Holy Ghost for direction, never acknowledging the Holy Spirit in all of our everyday life. And we just keep getting more frustrated, experiencing more failure when Jesus has, has provided for us his spirit, the spirit of the living God, to come not just within the believer, but also upon the believer so that we can walk in supernatural power on this earth. Do you not realize that there is a world outside these doors where people are dying? Do we not realize that the, there's the walking dead all around? They're, they're all around, and they're crying out. They don't even know who to cry out to, but they're crying on the inside. There's got to be more. There's got to be something different. Life can't be like this. This just can't be all there is to life. And you and I have the power of the Holy Spirit that we can tap into, that, that's been made available to us, and we go around like... Hallelujah, Pastor. This is good. I'm going to read you back to Acts chapter 1. I'm going to go to verse 4 this time. And being assembled together with them, he, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John the Baptist, truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. It was 10 days exactly. Watch this now. I want you to consider this, and then I'm going to go into four practical things that the Holy Spirit does in our life. Are you listening? Consider this. He's speaking to the apostles, yes or no? Yes. These are the guys that have been the closest to him for at least the past three years, yes or no? Yes. These are the men that were there when he raised the dead, healed the lepers, when, he, when the paralyzed were made to walk, the deaf could hear, the blind could see, the mute could speak, Bread is multiplied, fish are multiplied, storms are calm. These are the men that are with him and saw everything he did. Sometimes they cooperated with him and had a part of it. Other times they stood back and watched. These are the guys for three years saw what he did and he still says to them, you're not ready yet. You're not ready. You watch a bunch of stuff, but you're not ready yet. Peter might, Peter might have said, Lord, we've been with you for three years. We can do this now. We can do this. And Jesus is going, Peter, sit down. <laughs> you listening to me? Yes. With all that they had experienced, he still said to them, do not 
Depart from Jerusalem until you receive the promise of my Father. It's so important. You listening to me? Here it is. Four practical things that the Holy Spirit does in our life. Say the word practical. Practical. Number one, the Spirit reveals Christ to us and in us. Okay? I'm going to move fast now. John 16, 12. Jesus speaking to the disciples on what night? John 16, it takes place when? Last Supper. So Jesus is about 18 hours away from the crucifixion. Actually, probably 18 hours away from giving up his spirit at the cross. Okay? I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. What are you talking about, Jesus? We've been with you for three years. Some commentators would say three and a half years. However, when he, the spirit of what? Truth. When he has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. For he will glorify me. For This is the important part here. You and, I cannot, you and I cannot fully grasp who Jesus is unless the Holy Ghost opens our eyes and tells us. For he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he, the Holy Spirit, will take of mine and declare it to you. You know how you, know how you got born again? Okay, you, you could not get born again until Jesus, excuse me, until the Holy Spirit opened up your eyes, not these eyes, these eyes. Until the Holy Spirit opened those up, then you could see Jesus for who he is. Until that point, you could read a Bible. I remember, I remember, I've told you this plenty of times. My mother, my mother had one of those big Bibles with big picture of St. Joseph on the front of it. Plastic, just like the, just like the couch, covered in plastic. And I would open that thing and I would try to read it and go, what is this? Who can understand this thing? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Who can understand this thing? The day after I got born again, I could open up a Bible and understand clearly. Oh my God, I see it now. I see it now. Why? The Spirit of God, the most practical thing the Holy Spirit can do in our life is to open our eyes to Jesus so that we can then respond to Jesus as our Savior and Lord, not Jesus the teacher, not Jesus the prophet, not Jesus the good man who who did good things. No, the man doing good things doesn't get you to heaven. It's the Messiah, it's the Savior, it's the Lord who went to the cross and shed his blood. That's the Jesus that your eyes need to be open to. You listening to me? Because you know, you're going to come across people in life, you may have been one of them. Oh yeah, I know about Jesus, yeah. He was a good man. He was a good man. You listening? Okay. So Jesus knew that the apostles would never really comprehend what he taught until after they received the Holy Spirit. We don't fully grasp who Jesus is or what he's done apart from the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, there would be no means of communication between Jesus and each and every one of us. You remember what he said, he will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Amen? Amen. Number two, practical, say practical. Practical. The Spirit helps us to pray. (laughs) 
the Spirit helps us to pray. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. The Apostle Paul writing, by revelation of the Holy Spirit, writes to the church in Rome and says this about the Holy Spirit. Likewise, the Spirit also helps. Say that word, please. I would underline that in your Bible if I were you. That likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. That's ignorance. That's not physical weakness. That's ignorance, right? If you don't know how to pray for somebody, what does that make you? Ignorant. I'm ignorant. I'm ignorant of a situation. I'm ignorant of their circumstance. I'm ignorant of what they're facing. I'm ignorant of what I should pray, how I should pray, what scripture. It doesn't mean you're sick, does it? Does it mean you're physically sick? No, of course not. So he said the Spirit of God is going to help us in our weaknesses, ignorance, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself, not itself, the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he, the Holy Spirit, makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So when we're going to pray for somebody and we don't know the details and we don't know how we should pray and sometimes it's harder to pray when you know the details because you're assuming you know exactly how to pray but the Holy Ghost knows exactly what's going on behind the scenes. Because I don't know if you realize this or not but sometimes people don't tell you the truth. Did, you, did anybody realize that? So watch this now. So the Holy Spirit not only alerts us how to pray, but he takes it further. I'm talking about practical stuff, practical stuff. How many of you want this stuff to work? How many of you want to know that you're not in a Christianity that's just, oh, yeah, it's a bunch of fables, a bunch of myths. Yeah, we repeat some scriptures once in a while. And, you know, I, I feel so good when I go to church. No, it's not about feeling good. It's about being active in the kingdom of God. It's about being successful when we pray. Why? Because somebody might die if we don't pray right. You getting this? So we need to be practical, not super spiritual, practical. And the most practical thing that you and I could do as believers is to hook up with the Holy Ghost, connect with him, and let's say, come on, let's walk life together. Come on, help me, help me. Now watch what this word help means. Oh, this is so good. I'm getting blessed. Help. You see, our little word there, help, what is it, four letters? Yes. Is way bigger in Greek than it is in English. Because in the original language, this is what it means. A helper. He who takes hold together with us against whatever adversity we're facing. And listen, the Holy Ghost is a whole lot bigger than you are. Come here. Real quick, you knew this was coming. I was waiting. Believer, Holy Ghost. Okay. Show them the guns, Holy Ghost. Come on. <laughs> so, I'm facing an adversity. I'm facing a challenge. I don't know how to pray. And even if I did, I don't have that strength just within me apart from the Holy Ghost. I cannot assume 
that if I just go after something, I'm going to be successful until I come to this revelation. Wait a second, wait a second. I got the Holy Spirit in me. He has already promised, according to Romans chapter 8, okay, that he's going to take hold, come on, together with me against. Are you listening to me? Now, once I know that the Holy Ghost has already committed, I have way more confidence facing this challenge because I know I got the Holy Ghost who's taking hold together with me against. Are you listening to me? Thank you. How much more practical can it get than that? He's already in you. When it's time to pray, you need to enlist his support. Well, isn't it going to be automatic? No, because he gave you a free will. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is not some brute that's just going to... No, he waits for you to say, Holy Spirit, would you please, according to Romans chapter 8, verse 26, will you help me pray and take authority over this situation? And guess what he does? Right on, right on top, right there. He's right there. You listening? Yes. Practical. Amen? Amen? Number three, the Spirit of God teaches us. How much more practical is it than that? Okay, I don't even really have to go into too much scripture with this here because the very first time that Jesus introduces the Holy Spirit, he introduces him as a teacher. Romans, excuse me, John chapter 14, verse 26, but the helper, where, where do we just see that word? Romans chapter eight, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will do what? Teach, Teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. This is a great promise, very practical, very practical, very practical. Let me give you an example. How many times, I can't even tell you how many times this has happened. Uh, I'll know there's a scripture. I'll have a fragment of it in my, in my heart, in my mind. And I'll go, Holy Spirit, I know, I know that it's there. I know it's, it's in this book or that book or the other book. I'll know it's there. Holy Spirit, would you please show me? Would you please remind me? Would you please lead me? Would you please direct me? And I'll just sit back. Listen, okay, Mark chapter 8. There it is. There it is. So, what he do, you know, you're the pastor. <laughs> the promise isn't made to the pastor, the promise is made to everyone who believes. Amen. Remind us, remind us. I'll never forget when I was in the restaurant business and I had to get up really early in the morning, really early in the morning. I would go to bed at night. I, I swear to you, as I'm standing here, I'd say, Holy Ghost, I, I don't know if I trust this alarm. I need, you to, I need you to wake me up, and, I, and, and Holy Spirit, I need to be refreshed. It, almost every single time, I would wake up before the alarm sounded. Pop out of bed, now let's go. Let's go. Why? He's our helper. I don't know how much more practical you can get than that. He's our helper. He'll teach you. If you're, if you're on a job and you're not sure how to do your job, maybe you've given the opportunity to get a promotion, okay? And you're like, I don't know if I should do this. I don't know if I have the training. Okay, now, don't not go for the training and just go, oh, the Holy Ghost is going to show me. No, no, no. He's a helper. He doesn't do it for you. He helps us. Okay? Now watch this. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 because I've got to move along here quickly. All right. Now, understand this. The first part of what I'm going to quote here from the Scripture is from the Old Testament. Okay? Watch this now. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, 
nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And that's where the thought stops. And there are Christians today that are still quoting this, not realizing that they're putting the limitations of the Old Testament on themselves. You listening? Are you listening? Yes. Is it true? Go back, go back, go back. Is it true? Go back another verse. Is it true that, that without the Holy Spirit's help, our eyes can't see what we need to see. Our ears can't hear what we need to. It can't even, we don't even comprehend it with our heart. All right, next verse. The things that God has prepared for those who love him. Next verse. Watch this now. Now it's New Testament. But God has revealed them to us through who? His spirit. Practical. Practical. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Is there another verse after that? Go, come on. For what man knows the things of the man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now, if you're not nurturing a relationship with the Holy Spirit, you're missing out. Now, watch this now. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit is from God. For what reason? Practical. For what reason? That we might know the things which have been given freely to us. In other words, there's promises in this word that we're not walking in yet. We're, because we haven't comprehended them. Why? Because we can't comprehend them in the natural. They can only be comprehended in the spirit. But if you're the type of person that's been walking around your Christian life going, well, you know, I'm, I'm satisfied to know God and I know Jesus. This Holy Spirit thing I'm not too sure about. You know, because anybody ever met, you know, from this Holy Spirit type background, they're weird. They speak in different languages and they act funny. And what are you missing out on? The understanding, the reality, the receiving of the things which have been freely given us. They're only comprehended by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Just ask him. When you start your day out, Holy Spirit, equip me for today. Lead me in the way I should go. Teach me the things I need to learn. Number four, and we'll wrap it up here. Number four, the Spirit leads us. So, so let's go back over this again. Number one, the Spirit reveals Jesus to us. Let me rephrase that. The Spirit reveals Christ, the anointed one, to us and in us. Number two, the Spirit helps us to pray. Don't understand, Pastor, don't understand, I'm praying, but nothing's happening. Have you asked the Holy Spirit to help you? He knows everything. He's a spirit of wisdom. Number three, the spirit teaches us. You're never going to know the deeper things of, the, of God, of the word of God, until you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You listening? Number four, the spirit leads us. This is what I was talking about before. I've been in this thing for 38 years. I've never seen so many Christians just like bumper pool, just hit and miss, hit and miss, hit and miss. Well, I'll try this. I'll try that. Let's do this. Let's go here. Let's go that place. Let's go... And no accuracy, no efficiency, extremely ineffective, suffering loss. Now watch this now. Romans chapter 8, verse 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. In other words, we have a responsibility. But it is not to the flesh to live according to it. 
Okay, not, not to live according to the natural. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body. So, so watch this now. So now, watch this now. Putting to death the misdeeds of the body is the goal that we want to reach here. That's the subject of this thing. Are you seeing it? Okay. So, so, if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. But I wish it was written closer to the original language. Because in original language, that is not the word for infant. Okay? In the original language, this is how it should read. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the mature, seasoned, grown-up children of God. Not just walking around Bumping into things, not hearing correctly. These are the ones that have pursued the Holy Ghost. These are the ones that have pursued God, okay? And then when you pursue God, just like some of you came up here to recommit yourself today, okay? You should expect to see now a higher level of efficiency. You should expect to hear now a little bit clearer, you should also expect now that God is going to hold you to this to put to death the deeds of the flesh and to follow the ways of the Holy Ghost, to follow the Spirit of God. Amen. And everybody said, I'm so glad I went up there. Okay. So let me ask you a question. Who do you think is going to have more success in this life, on this planet? The person who is satisfied to just surfacy knowledge of God, I'm born again, I'm going to heaven, I don't really care about everything else, and you know, whatever happens on the earth, I really don't care about. But, or do you think that the person who is the true, seasoned, mature, grown-up children, sons and daughters of God, who do you think is going to have more success? Who do you think is going to impact more people? Who do you think is going to actually get things done on this cursed planet who do you think it's going to be? The immature or the mature? It's up to you. It's up to us how far we want to go. But the Spirit of God is calling and calling and calling and asking us, come on, press in, press in. Stop being satisfied with surfacy things. Stop being satisfied with showy things and spectacle. Stop being satisfied with the things that you can see, taste, touch, hear, feel. He wants to take us deeper. He wants to, us to practically, in a practical, well, every day, day in and day out, experience his help, experience his presence, experience his power. So this weekend we celebrate the release of the Holy Spirit onto this earth. He is a practical help from God that we need every day in our lives. He is a manifestation of love of God towards every believer. He reveals Jesus to us so we can more fully appreciate all Jesus did for us. He helps us to pray accurately and effectively. He teaches us all things that God has freely given to us. If we'll yield to him, he will lead us away from sin on every day of our lives. He is indispensable. He is totally vital to our everyday life. We need him, church. We need him now more than ever because we're living on a planet that is determined for self-destruction. Yes. 
Are you listening to me? I'm going to pray a prayer over you. Then I'm going to turn this over to, to Brian. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, I pray, Father, that you take some of the things that I've been able to share here today. And Father, by your spirit, minister to every individual that's in this place. At the place and the point that they're at right now, Father. Lord, I pray that a hunger would rise up on the inside of each and every one of us, Father. I pray, Lord, that we'd not be satisfied with life as it's been, but that we would press in, that we would become more serious, more dedicated, more committed, Lord God, more set apart from this world so that you would always be glorified, that the name of Jesus would always be magnified, and that people's hearts would be impacted as the power of the Holy Spirit flows from your church out into this world and into the darkness, Lord God, touching lives, saving those from the flames, saving those that have filthied themselves and dirtied themselves, having once been touched by your spirit, Father. I pray, Lord God, for the impact in every one of our lives and every one of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Brian?